Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. So today I'm here with Josh Gratton, and I actually read about him on the Head First Movement. They had a little mental health blog, um, and I was interested in his story because he played, worked his way up um, from, you know, some of the lower hockey level leagues to playing in the NHL, and but he got there through fighting and not really realizing uh, what the concussions and things like that uh, were doing. And now he's opening up and sharing about his story through that um, and what he's realized uh, later on from some of the percussions from that. And, but also taking action to make a change and, you know, heal from those and move forwards in life uh, uh, with that and living a good life still. So, Josh, I would, I'd like to start just like how, I guess, how did you get into hockey? Um, and did you ever have any, like, do you think you ever had any mental health issues before you started? Like, was that ever? Uh, you know, that, that, that's a good question. And it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, I, like I always played hockey. I played hockey since I was a kid and I grew up and it was all in my family and, I never really, uh, I never really had any problems growing up through school or a public school or anything like that. So I was usually I was pretty pretty attentive. I was pretty uh, pretty um, active kid. So I was definitely not uh, not something that that was stemmed from when I was a child. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when you were playing hockey, did when do you? Like, did you always know that you wanted to kind of go big with it? Was that always a dream? Uh, you know what? I I always had ambitions to play in the NHL. <laughs> I never really thought that it was that it was going to be uh, feasible uh, to say. I I I didn't re- I realized that I was had an opportunity to be a uh, a good hockey player and potentially make it the NHL when I was in juniors. But uh, before juniors, I just played for the love of the game. I played uh, my parents and my grandparents put me in uh, hockey at a young age and I just, I fell in love with it. That's all I really knew uh, mm-hmm. growing up. I knew I wanted to be a professional hockey player and uh, I, but re- realistically I didn't think it was going to be a, it, it was a, it was a pipe dream in, in a sense to say that. But uh, like once, once I got to juniors and started uh, really taking it a little more serious, I realized that there was a potential to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. So you got, you got to juniors and then what was the, what was your kind of first, well, when you were in juniors, were you fighting a lot then? Uh, to, to begin, no, but uh, like I got kind of got put in a role where you're playing on the fourth line and, and in and out of the lineup. So you had to do something to stay in the lineup, something to stay, something to stand out. And uh, I, I would fight, I would stick up for my teammates and, it just came natural to me. I, I just the way I was playing. I was playing very aggressive and, and very, uh, very, very instigating kind of uh, like hitting. And and the fights kind of came. And I just realized that I started getting getting good at it. Like I wasn't getting hurt, luckily. And and I just made it made it that was part of my style and part of the play. And that was the way hockey was played back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, coaches seemed to coaches seemed to warm up to that kind of thing. So in a sense, it's uh, you kind of put myself into that role and I just thrived in it. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that really is just just part of the game. 
Um, yeah. Back then, what year? Like, what year was this actually? Uh, it would have been like 2003, 2004, around that time. Okay. So quite a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so you started kind of just picking that role up and, and standing out. Where, where did it go from there? And when did you, like, what was your first kind of real shot at something bigger than juniors? Well, I, I signed my first pro contract at my, after my last year of junior. So when I was 20 years old, I signed my first pro contract. And uh, from there I, I went and I, as a young guy in, uh, in the American Hockey League, the AHL, um, there's some big tough guys, but uh, that was just the role that I, I grew out of. I grew out of junior. I was playing, I was scoring goals in junior, but junior and pro are two different, uh, two different animals when it comes to uh, that guys are there for making a living and you're, you're doing whatever you can to stay in the lineup. You're doing whatever you can to help your team. And, and that was the fastest way to the NHL for me is, is, is fighting and, and just becoming a pro that way. And, and I played the game as well, but it was just there was there's things you had to do to stand out, and uh, and that was just something I took a lot of pride in. If I wasn't going to be the best goal scorer, I wasn't going to be the best guy, uh, best forward. I was going to be the best at something, and it was killing penalties or being a role player for that matter. And that 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 entailed fighting, and and mm-hmm. you know what? I never backed down from anyone, and I was just. That that's just the, the way way the worked. I would have I liked to have scored goals and been a goal scorer my whole career, absolutely. But that wasn't the cards that I was that wasn't the cards I was dealt. So uh, I made the best of it and and ran with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and outside of hockey, like when when you started um, realizing that this was your kind of strength, like this is what you were going to be doing. Did you train for fighting outside of playing the game? Uh, not not really. I would box a little bit here and there, but not. I never really really went in trying to be a fighter. I went in and protect myself. I was a big, strong kid. I trained to play hockey. I trained to work out to be faster, bigger, stronger, mm-hmm. but uh, never specific. Never specifically to fight because I really don't uh, think that was that that was needed in the game as a guy, a one dimensional player that just fought. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of pride in being being able to play and. Uh, and fighting was just another element to my game. So mm-hmm. it, it was just another thing to make me stand out and have another another tool in my toolbox, so to say. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're just out there standing around waiting for a fight to happen. Um, right, you still have right. to take part in the, in, the, in the play and the game and everything else, um, but also have that there for when the opportunity arises. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so how long did you play in the AHL for? And were you mainly like with the same team or did you move around quite a bit? Uh, for the first three or four years, I was in Philadelphia. So I was up and down in the NHL and in the American League for the first four years. I got traded after my fourth year in Philadelphia to Phoenix for, and I was there for three or four years as well. So I was mainly a couple years in, in those two organizations for my first eight uh eight years pro and then after that i kind of bounced around a little bit and went over to europe after that so okay and and philadelphia and phoenix like is that the nhl or ahl uh it was the nhl yeah there's a a ahl team in philadelphia as well but uh i was mainly up in the nhl okay um well that's pretty (laughs) pretty awesome that you made it like like how did that feel when you like when did you realize you were going to make it to the NHL and like were you 
kind of expecting it or did it sort of just come out of nowhere? Uh, it definitely wasn't, wasn't expecting it. I had to work for everything that I got. Uh, but uh, after my first year pro in the American League, I knew that I was probably going to get an opportunity to, to play in the NHL. I was, I, was, I was counted as a fairly decent prospect for the Philadelphia organization. So I knew my time was going to come. It was just a matter of when. And, and it was a matter of being prepared when it did come. And mm -hmm. uh, I took a little, I, I was really, uh, I was really grateful and appreciative of the opportunity that I got. So I didn't take that for granted at all. Mm -hmm. Well, cause I know too, a lot of people will get like, um, like I've had people that I know who will get kind of like, you know, they'll, they'll get one or two games in the NHL and then they'll never go back. Um, were you yeah. worried that something like that might happen? Well, they always say, everybody always says, it's it's hard to get to the NHL. It's harder to stay in the NHL. And it's just because there's so many people coming knocking at the door ready to take your job. So you got to be consistently playing good every single night or, or you're just, you're not going to be there. And that's just the, that's the business side of the game. So like there's guys that get there for one or two games and that's, that's their career, but they still make a good career in the American league or in the, in, in Europe, but mm -hmm. to stay in the NHL for consistently for a long time, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So like when, when I got up there, I, I, I did everything possible that I could to stay, but sometimes it's just not enough and, and you got to move on and hope for, hope for another opportunity. And, uh, it's, it's just the sad thing is that opportunity doesn't come sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, if you drop back down to AHL or like Europe, like you're talking about, can you still make a pretty good living? Like if you were to play in those leagues for a while, is it more just like, it's kind of something you would just be doing for fun or do you think it could like, No, no, no. Guys make careers out of there. You're making good money. It, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely good. Cause there's lots of guys that, uh, that play their whole careers in the minors and the American league and in Europe and do really well for themselves. There's no, uh, it's not the NHL is the only place where you can make a, a pro career playing hockey. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. That's awesome. I guess that's just the place that everybody knows about. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and so in the NHL, you stayed in there for what, eight years. Yeah, up and down. I was up and down for about eight years, yeah. Oh, so you weren't always in it. Like, sometimes you actually dropped back to AHL and then got back in again. Yeah, yeah. So how many times did that happen? Oh, numerous of times. There's fringe guys like myself. It would be maybe play 10 games, go down and play a couple, maybe play – 30 games in the American League get called up for one. It's, it's all, it all depends. It all varies. Oh. It's not, uh, nothing, I didn't, nothing I didn't realize sense, you could so. go that in and out. Um, up yeah. and I thought it's like, okay, you're signing a year, you're playing a year kind of deal if they wanted you. No, no, it's all in the system. So hmm. there's a, uh, there's a lot more that goes to it than, than it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Oh, well that's kind of like, I don't know. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, and through that, I guess when, when was the first time, well, I, I'm kind of curious, like what was your lifestyle like outside of hockey? I, I just know that when I read about you, there were some things about, you know, new nutrition and, and other things that had to do with your uh, mental health and kind of, um, you know, get it, yeah. a good life. Like what did it look like in those days when you were just pushing so hard for the game? 
Like, yeah, exactly. You you go in and you're there. You're you're living high life. You're living as as good as you could possibly live. But you're also probably for myself. I was partying a lot. I was doing a lot of things that were really harmful to my to my mental health for sure. And that was a lot to do with do with the fighting, the stress that that, that I'm gonna have to fight it the night before. So I was self medicated. I'd have injuries that I would take pills for, like. It was definitely not a, it wasn't a lifestyle that was sustainable. It was going to be a, it was going to come down to a crashing halt eventually. Mm-hmm. And this happened so many times to so many players. It's just a, the lifestyle of, of being an enforcer in the NHL or in pro hockey for that matter. It's a, it's a wear and tear on your body, but it's, it's wear and tear on your mind more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And like, were you living? So you, cause you were playing for, um, Philadelphia and Phoenix. Where, you, where were you living? Oh, we were living right in, in the city, living in Philly. Uh, I was living in Philly for five years, and then Phoenix for three after that. So, oh, like, nice. yeah, living there the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, like your lifestyle definitely wasn't like ideal for a long term, um, long term health, um, mentally or maybe even physically. Were you? Within the game, like, you know, you have people who take care of you, like doctors and stuff like that, right, that help you out um, throughout your career. Is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. The doctors were great. Everybody was great. It's And you know what? I was – injury-wise, I was really healthy. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I took care of my body. I took care of my health. I was always in good shape. It was uh, it was the extracurricular activities that caught up <laughs> to me in that sense. But uh, – like the the doctors are are great. The the this teams and the systems and the management are are great. It's there's no one to blame about my issues except mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, I was just curious about like had they ever like so did they ever met like do they talk to you about mental health and stuff or like concussions and things like. Uh, back in the day, it wasn't uh, so much uh, on on everybody's radar. Swept mm-hmm. under the rug, so to speak. Uh, like. If someone had a concussion or if I had a concussion, I didn't really know what a concussion was until later in my career. Like mm-hmm. I would fight, I'd get my bell, my bell rung, I'd have headaches or I'd be feeling lethargic. I didn't know what that was. And you still play through it because you don't want to get taken out of the lineup. So you don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a business at, the, at that point. They're paying you money. They expect you to be in the lineup. If, mm-hmm. you're, health, if, you're, if you're injured, you're, you're not really uh, – you're not really good or useful for them. So <laughs> no. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a cutthroat business, unfortunately, but that's just the way it was back then. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so through all this, like when was the, when did you realize that it was becoming a problem? And then how did you realize that? It was later in my career. Uh, just, just when my body was breaking down in a sense, so to speak, and, and everything was catching up to me. I was getting headaches. I was, I was depressed. I, I would go have really highs and really lows. Like I was just not, not present in the moment. I was just, just trying to escape, escape reality, escape the way I was feeling. I just, and I didn't know that it was actually becoming an issue for everybody around me and myself I was pretty much in denial of a lot of stuff like I just figured uh you know what uh, I'll just self-medicate and I'll uh, if I have if I have a headache I'll do something to escape that or I'll, I'll take a pill and I'll feel better or whatever it is it's it's just it was it was a really uh 
wasn't one specific moment. It was just mm-hmm. more and more. It was getting worse and worse, and it was getting darker and darker. It was just really hard to explain the the, the feeling because there wasn't one uh, specific moment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just building up over time. Yeah. And and how long did you go on um, in that sort of maybe snowball effect, you might want to call it, before you decided, you know, before you really started to make some changes? Well, it was about good five years of off and on of doing so, like off and on of, of feeling crummy. And then it just, it got to a point, it was so bad. I hit rock bottom. I was just, I wasn't myself. I couldn't, people couldn't really be around me. I was doing things I'm not, I wasn't proud of. It was just, I wasn't, I wasn't myself. And it got to a point where I felt like now that I'm on the other side of it, it's scary to know how dark I actually, dark place I actually was in and the things I was doing to my body. It just, it, you get, it's a slippery slope and you get so far deep and so far gone that, uh, it's it's sometimes it's so hard to come back from i'm just fortunate enough that i i met a group of people that, that helped me get through it and i had uh had friends and i had outlets to get through it but during that time i didn't really have uh outlets i was i was embarrassed of what i was doing i was embarrassed of who i had become so it was more of a shame thing mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of uh, a lot of things like that a lot of a lot of people that are uh, have problems with addiction or depression it's a lot stems from being shame ashamed of themselves and ashamed of, of what's what had become so mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's really it's um it's hard to explain that that or notice it when you're in it when you're in it and once you look back once i've looked back on everything it's it's really scary to know like the, the, that was my life and that's what I was that's and I was doing it because of the concussions the uh, the, the headaches the depression it was a, it, it was something that you, you don't realize until you until you're out of it and sometimes it's too late unfortunately for me I, I was I, I was out of it I'm, I'm out of it now and it's but it's you have to keep up with everything on top of that now you know? mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna be very very hard to understand like well, you're actually in it. You don't really know a lot of the times. Um, right. And with that, uh, at this point too, like when you're saying you're doing these things that um, you're you're like ashamed of that you're doing and uh, to your body and things, were you still were you still playing the game at this point? Well, I guess like yeah, do you, for, do you, for, oops, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Yeah, for a few years, my last few years uh, of the game, I was I was definitely I was definitely partying pretty hard, and I definitely wasn't myself. And the it ended up catching up to me. Like I ended up playing 16 years, but my last few years was uh, was not good. Like it was mm-hmm. it was just uh, it was just hanging on, fear of the unknown, fear of not having hockey as a, as an outlet, and and uh, I'm a man of. Uh, habit a creature habit for for and and have have a like routine and, and hockey gave that to me and once hockey ended it was a downward spiral for me for a while I had no uh, no purpose uh and no responsibilities so it just got worse and worse for me mm-hmm. um so so then it just it actually got worse after hockey yeah, I would say eventually, yeah, for sure. The darkest days uh, for myself were when hockey ended. I, it was a really tough transition for me uh, away from, to get away from the game. I, it's just because I had so much 
my whole life I was in a routine and, and had hockey to count on and I could always fall back on hockey. And when that was finally done, when I was my, after my last year pro, I had a lot of time on my hands and the, the concussions and everything just all came to a halt. And it was a boiling point to, to, uh, to my mental health. Or it was just un, uncontrolled, uncontrollable. That I, and I had no, uh, no way of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like, yeah, a very unpleasant place. Um, when you were there, so, I mean, you were going down and down. When, what kind of sparked you to get on the up? And, and what did you do? It was, a, it was one of my best buddies. He just, he stepped into my life and he said, buddy, you got to get the fuck out of here. You got to wake up, man. Like he, he just pretty much knocked some sense into me. And then I, I got out of the town and I got away from the people that I was hanging with. And uh, I just went up to, I went up north in, in Ontario and kind of secluded myself for a good little while and uh, met some new, new friends, met some, met, met some people, started working out again just started taking care of myself, learning how to love myself again and, and, and being a normal person and, and accepting everything that I had already been through that that's in the past. And now it was only up to me to, to move on and, and make something better or fall back into the exact same situation that I was in. So I, I was just, uh, I, I owe a lot to my, one of my best friends that, that uh, stepped in and just, kind of kind of woke me up a bit and helped me out and got me mm. got me uh, back on the right path yeah oh yeah yeah that's like it's really nice to have um friends like that and people who will do that uh even that alone is very very hard to find yeah and when i was in that dark dark times i i didn't think anyone really cared and once all of that once i'm on the other side of everything i realized people do love me people people do care about me it was just me escaping them when I was so ashamed of myself and what I was doing and who I was becoming. So it was more me escaping. It was pure escapism. And uh, once, once, uh, once I realized that and I knew I had friends that I could count on, it made it a lot easier to, uh, to move on from things and just get my life back in order. And uh, it's definitely hasn't been easy. There's been lots of ups and downs, but uh, you know, to, if you have a group of people and you're not isolating yourself, you, you can talk it through or you can ask for help. It's uh, the biggest thing is not to be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's really tough uh, to do that when you're, you know, I, the, the whole shame thing, um, is huge and like it's it's nice that that's kind of becoming more talked about now and like you know people are doing things like uh, this where we're talking everyone can listen and just make something normal out of it so everybody knows um and with with like i get like community must have been a big thing for you like having those people and, and friends around and like realizing that they do care like community and connection is is such a big part of that yeah and it's the worst thing you could do is isolate yourself and, and we and the stigma is it, people think that you're weak if you ask for help and i was i was really i really thought that as well but once i got out of there and started working out and meeting new people and getting a new group of friends and just 
you re- you realize you have people you can count on and you need people it's uh, it, you can't go through life without without your friends and family and, and pushing everybody away you got to be able to open up and uh, and let people in mhm with with those new people that you were meeting um did you talk about what you were going through with them like the new friends that you had made yeah, you know, they at first I kept it kind of quiet, but these guys are the the guys that I started training with, working out with. They uh, they helped me out. I was an open book. I'm not ashamed of ever, anything that was in my past because my past was my past, and you got to let go and you got to get over all that stuff. You can't be ashamed or you can't hide you hide about or, or anything like that you've done or or that, that's haunting you in the past. You got to move forward and, and not look back and. I put it in my rearview mirror and uh, and looked forward ever since. And and that was it was really important for me to be able to talk to people about that and not be ashamed of what I've done because you know everybody makes mistakes in life and it's just how you uh, how you bounce back from them in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. And and like also like what kind of reactions did you get from those people? Because I think. Um, that's what people are scared of where they go okay like if I reach out but what is this person gonna say like what if they think I'm a loser or they think I'm crazy or whatever it is because in my life even I found that once I started doing that um, people actually really you know appreciate that that's what people want is people who are being real and sharing what they're actually um, dealing with instead of everybody just you know talking about the new car or truck that they bought or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm curious, like, how did those reactions go and what did you notice when you started opening up to people about it? Oh, uh, there's definitely no judgment from my friend group. They're great people. They, they knew, they knew where I was coming from and, and they knew my situation and I wasn't afraid to ask. They'd ask questions. I would answer them. But mm-hmm. like, again, again, they're, they're great people and they, they, they care about me. So they were never going to make me feel uh, uncomfortable for uh, talking about it. And mm-hmm. they were, they never pressed, they never pressed any questions. And it was just, uh, it was gradually just got more and more. I just opened up more and more to, to my friend group there. And there, mm-hmm. there, it wasn't, it's, you just got to make sure you're not feeling judged and, and, there's not one of those guys or, or girls that I hang out with there in Collingwood, Ontario, that, that judge me, and that, that's big because at first you you are a little a uh, little hesitant to to tell them situations or or your past, but uh, you just just got to get comfortable with yourself, and you gotta you gotta love yourself before you can open up any of it towards anything and just rid that shame. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. You got a little community and, and some great people to support you. Um, when, like, what did you find was the most beneficial um, in making progress towards, um, you know, recovering from this stuff? Like you said, working out and getting back to the gym and like a good routine. What else did you integrate with that. I'm also curious about like um, practitioners or people that you may have seen like doctors or concussion specialists. Um, I don't know a lot about concussions. Um, Like I obviously know they're bad and you get these things, but I hear a lot that you can't fix what happens from them. Um, 
And I have a really close friend of mine too, who has dealt with the same thing um, from hockey and he's been going to some um, specialists and other places, but you know, a lot of people say that you can't recover from them. And I was curious what your thoughts on were that on that as well. I've seen a lot of specialists. I've seen all the all the top doctors around for for concussions, and you know, there's there is there's real like realistic, realistically, there's lots of stuff that's not going to change. But you manage uh, how how to how to be, live on every day on a normal life. It's trial and error in a sense, um, mm-hmm. but it's all about your lifestyle routine. You just you just got to get in and you got to feel out what, what's what's working for you and what's not working for you. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. It's just trying to stay even keel is what I do. But I feel like the biggest thing for my recovery and not, not so much for my concussions, but for just everything in general and getting everything off my back was coming out of there and, and telling my story to head first. I feel like that was a big, big weight lifted off my shoulder because I, I, I was hiding everything and I was ashamed of everything. And at some point you got to let go of uh, let go of your past. And, and that's what I did. I feel like that was the big hurdle, uh, uh, holding me back from, uh, from moving on in my life. And, and then after that, I started working out regularly. I started getting into routines. I started take, I, I've seen doctors for, uh, cannabis. I don't smoke uh, cannabis, but I take CBD that helped me for sleep and, I've tried uh, and and uh, taking psilocybin uh, mushrooms there. That's helped me a lot. So you just you build a you build and build on top of each other, and you build something that you can sustain every day, and and just try to live your life as as smoothly and as in the in the moment and present uh, as you can. Take mm-hmm. doing yoga, breath work. You just try to build on top of what's working and what's working. And then if something you try is, it wasn't, wasn't effective, then you try something else. So mm-hmm. it's, again, nothing's perfect right now. I still have bad days. I still, sometimes I'm foggy when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I'm grumpy, but there's mm-hmm. the good days are, the good days are outweighing the bad. And that's, that's all I can ask for at this point. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad that that's, um, that that's the case like again yeah it could definitely be a lot worse and you could be taking no steps or still not even realized what the heck's going on so it's awesome that you've made so much change um and with the yeah so you did mushroom you tried a lot of stuff and like that's the other thing too is having that willpower to keep going and and trying those things um which is one of the hardest things especially in the ups and downs um, you know, trying to make sure you can get up and, and try and do those things no matter how you're feeling. Because um, on your bad days too, it must, like, if you get up and do the exercise and, and do your routine, you must normally feel quite a bit better after that. Yeah, absolutely. It's And for me, exercise is, is probably the best medicine for myself. And I, I, I try to work out as much as possible and take care of it and your diet is very important. So it's, it's not just one thing. It's a mix of everything that you do and you put in your body. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all up to me. And if I, if I am choosing to put a hamburger in my body instead of chicken, I'm, I'm going to feel, I'm not going to feel as good. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just knowing, it's just knowing what, what works for me. And, 
everybody's different, you know, but uh, if you give yourself the best chance and you, uh, and try to live your, live your life sustainable, healthy, get exercise, you're giving your chance, you're giving yourself a chance to feel better. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. It's just becoming aware of those things and how each thing is, um, you know, impacting your, your body and your mind and um, sticking to the things that are giving you, um, leaving you feeling better. Absolutely. Um, right. So, so right now, like you really, like how long has it been since you kind of made that switch and came back to Ontario and, and started uh, working on, um, you know, getting yourself back together and, and staying in a good mindset? Uh, it's been close to nine or 10 months now. So everything is, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting year. It's been a hard year, lots of ups and downs, but it's been a, been nine months since, since I've been left, uh, left my hometown there and, uh, moved up to Collingwood and everything has been great. And it's, uh, I couldn't ask for, I'm not, I've never been more happy in my life. So everything is good. That's awesome. And that's still very new. So you've still got, um, you still got a lot, um, you know, a lot of time left to, to keep working and seeing how it, how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Every day is a, every day is a new day, but like, like I said, it's all fresh for me and uh, Mm. I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. That's awesome. And, and with head first there, was that the first time you had really, um, shared your story yeah it was yeah and and it's uh it wasn't an easy thing to do but like i said it was uh it was a weight lifted off my shoulders liberating Mm -hmm. yeah it feels really good to kind of just get it out there i actually i remember the first time um i shared someone asked me to speak on their podcast like i never even really thought about i didn't really want to do it I never thought about sharing um that way and someone asked and I was like so scared uh to do it and I actually didn't even share it for like a year um I I didn't listen to it I didn't post about it on anything because I was too scared that I said the wrong thing or that it wasn't useful and no one would want to listen to it and then um actually a friend ended up finding it without me even telling them I don't remember how but then a couple people more started listening to it and people started reaching out and telling me, you know, how useful it was to hear that and just to relate um, to other people. And so it's crazy how much it actually helps, even if you maybe think it's might not be useful or whatever it is. I think there's always people that will relate, especially, you know, especially for you, that's awesome in the scene of athletes. I know it's such a big thing and, you know, a lot more and more of, you were starting to come up and, and speak about it. And I think, um, you know, like you said, the weak thing, I think that's even a bigger thing in sports where people are even uh, more scared of that. So I think that's like super, super awesome that you guys are coming out and, and doing that. Yeah. I think it's very important for especially mental health. I think, uh, I got a lot of gratification and, uh, knowing the, with, with all the comments and people that, uh, reached out to me and showed they cared and just said that a lot of people were going through the same thing. They can relate just to, just to have somebody to say, tell their story and other people can relate. It could really help, help someone in the future. And I got a lot of satisfaction and gratification out of uh, 
out of that or getting those messages and realizing that I am helping somebody because it's like it is like it's you need a community around you and there's those things that people uh, see that other people are doing it or listening to a story that they can relate to you never know maybe that's going to help someone change their life or tell their story you know mm-hmm. exactly it's just always inspiring uh, everybody who's who's um reading or listening and just yeah it's just like an exponential impact really every time someone else shares and um yeah it's awesome so now like like what are your plans kind of moving forward like you've you've had this happen and and you've been taking it you know you've been doing really well the past uh year here getting you know moving back and getting these routines and and you know becoming aware and figuring these things out what do you kind of see for the next year or two in the future with this you know, right now I'm just taking it a little bit uh, day at a time with all that stuff. I've been re- I recently took a coaching job, uh, coaching a junior hockey team. So that's keeping me busy, keeping me in a routine. And uh, I'm just going with the flow right now and just trying to uh, trying to focus on myself and just keep things going as they are. Yeah, I think that's a really, probably a really good approach you know, take it easy and and do that. And does it feel good to be back kind of in the game in a sense by being able to help the younger guys out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really getting a lot of, a lot of enjoyment out of it and and it keeps things light, keeps me, uh, keeps me focused on, on things other than myself. It gives me a purpose and and, uh, gives me a chance to help other kids and pay it forward. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a good experience so far. That's awesome. How long have you been doing the coaching for now? Uh, since about September. So. Okay, so yeah, a couple months. And, and how long is that? I guess yeah. it's for the season, obviously. Yeah, the season, yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of like coming back full circle to now kind of be a role model for uh, the people who are going to be taking, following in your footsteps. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's going to be, it's, it's fun so far and helping, helping our younger kids, hopefully not make the mistakes and, and uh, send them down the proper road. then so they don't have to do the, go through the things that I had already went through. Exactly. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, yeah, I'm happy to hear all that and how things are working out and that you're making really good progress. And it's awesome to hear the story and how you've kind of, you know, made it through all the stuff, the realizations you've made. Um, I would, I guess, seems like, you know, we're a little bit, you know, we're kind of at the end here. Um, is there anything yeah. else that you want to share or anything that's kind of coming to mind? No, not off the top of my head. No, I just appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to speak and uh, hopefully uh, everybody enjoys the, the podcast here. And, and if uh, maybe we'll get together another time down the road and, and, and uh, follow up. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, you know, another year or I don't know, anytime something happens or you want to talk again. And I think that's the beauty of this stuff too, is there's no there's no end or there's no limit to how many times that we can talk about this, uh, no matter if it's something big or small. And that's kind of what I look in here too. You know, it doesn't always have to be a two hour episode, um, you know, sharing someone's entire life story. It can always even be like a five, 50 minute episode talking about uh, one big thing or one big realization that, uh, you know, someone has along the way. And I think 
those are just as important too. Um, uh, there is one thing though, actually I forgot. I, I clicked the link in your bio on Instagram and it was something about swimming across a bay of water in Ontario. Oh yeah. Two of my buddies there in Ontario were advocating for mental health, youth mental health. And they, uh, they swam 32 kilometers uh, across the Georgia Bay. It was incredible to watch. So uh, yeah, that was, that was something. That's far. I wasn't sure if you actually were doing that now. Um, or that's something that no, you've done. No, no, I, I was on the boat with them. I was supporting them. It was, uh, it was a group of us. To, it was in our close circle of friends there, mm -hmm. and they did it. They trained for it and raised a lot of money for it. So uh, we were all a part of it. We, we, we got them on. We were on the boat. There was about five of us on the boat there, mm -hmm. supporting them and getting them through it. But what they did was something incredible. It was. Uh, it was something that I'll never forget. Uh, it's definitely, it's changed my perspective on life. It's changed my perspective on, on will and mental health and courage what those guys put their bodies through on the line for mm -hmm. such a selfless reason. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, it's super cool. It seems like you're a part, you know, it seems like you do have a really good, um, you know, solid group of people around you who are willing to just push themselves for the greater good of everybody else. Um, yeah. And that's super important. So yeah, man, that's awesome. Like I love hearing all, you know, I loved hearing everything about the story and, and you and everybody around you. And I'm happy that uh, things are going well and I'm curious to see how things go and, and follow up in the future. That would be awesome. I'd love to do that. So. Um, Perfect. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Um, well, yeah, let's, uh, we'll cut it there and we'll be in touch. All right, man. It sounds good. Awesome. It was nice to meet you and we'll talk soon. Take care. Okay, you too.